perfect. Welcome to the Ring of Fire podcast. I'm Emmy. AKA Birth Wizard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Emmy, aka Birth Wizard. There we go. And I'm Alex Barr. <laughs> and this is the place where we're here to talk about all those uncomfortable surges and get you to open up about topics. This week is going to be about the um, biases we picked up during our doula training or even that we brought into our doula training. I ended up deciding on mine pretty quickly. How about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you still hold these biases? No. No? No. Nope. So you've actually worked through it. Yes. Here. I feel that. Does that work? Oh, no. Oh, that work. Okay. <laughs> um, anyways, I feel that the big part of the biases is once you understand them, mm-hmm. you should probably figure out how to unlearn them. I mean, because then. You know what I'm saying? Because once you understand that you have a bias or have a bias against something, you should be working to unlearn that. If yes. you didn't know it was a bias, then you just think it's like an opinion that you have. <laughs> Ooh, maybe we should define that. What is the difference between an opinion and a bias? I don't even know how I would describe Ooh, that. Let's, I, I should probably look that up on Google right now. Right? Yes, let's look up the difference between an opinion and a bias. But this whole topic came up because I found something in my original notebook from my doula training where I had written about this. And I was like, oh, that's a little silly that I wrote that and didn't <laughs> second guess it or think about it. And it actually came up when we were meeting for like the first time to really discuss like if this would be a thing and like mm-hmm. what this podcast would be about and like the things we would discuss. So let's, let's talk about that then. Uh, what did you write in your notebook? I wrote that. First, maybe let's start here. Where did you do your training through, if you're willing to, like, talk about that? You can um, even make it really blankety. I just did it through a local birth center. I don't think it was the certification organization per se. I think it was a bias I already had, oh. and that reinforced it. Ooh. Right? So it was something that I was like, oh, yeah. So what I had written was to encourage breastfeeding, you talk about the dangers of formula versus the benefits of breastfeeding. Okay, you have to back up. What are the dangers of formula? I didn't write anything else underneath it. That's the funny part. (laughs) I had not written anything else underneath it. It was just like a statement. Like I knew that, right? And at that time I had read like Eat a Maze. Guide to breastfeeding. Oh, At least the first two chapters. I did not finish this book, by the way. Enough, but I enough, did read enough. it, and all it goes through is the benefits of breastfeeding. And I do. I don't know what I thought the dangers of formula were. I will go into it because I have a little more information. Okay. But um, I thought that if you knew the benefits of breastfeeding, you would do it. Oh, I thought so simple. Close case. I thought that people didn't breastfeed because they didn't know that it was so great for your child. I have a question then. Yes. Uh, were you breastfed as a kid, or did does your family have a history of breastfeeding? Um, I was breastfed for like six weeks. My mom was in the military, went right back to work. That was the end of it. Okay. Um, and it's not like anybody had anybody else talked about breastfeeding. Okay. It wasn't ever a conversation. The same thing about birth. 
Once right. I started getting birth, I was like, I've never heard any of this. Right. Um, and uh, this. Oh. And um, I'm gonna pull up what I took. I took some screenshots to talk about, but um, I don't have a history, a really big history of knowing about those things or hearing about these things. So when okay. I read the when I read the book and I went through the training, it was kind of just like, oh, that makes sense. Right? Bobby. Yeah. And I was even looking at, so I, I was looking through Nurture. I don't know if you've read that book. It's just like modern day guide to motherhood and birth Ooh. and blah, blah, blah. It's one of the better, like, childbirth education books that okay. I've read, but it's still super gendered. It's still super, like, natural birth and da-da-da. Yeah. But it talks about how the benefits of breastfeeding, which I'm sure people have heard, is breastfed babies enjoy a decreased risk of ear infections, childhood diabetes, obesity, gastrointestinal and diarrheal infections, childhood cancers, SIDS, respiratory infections, and allergies. We've heard all those things. Right? So we've heard all those things. But something that else that I've learned is most of those also connect to your socioeconomic status. Oh, of course. Right? Of course. But no one says that. It no. doesn't say that in that book. I wrote it in this book. <laughs> I wrote star. Most of these can be explained. <laughs> you were like, that way if I ever loan out this book, no one reads it without the context. I was thinking you were more like trying to post up or humorously tell the author like to put notes, like a footnote in there. <laughs> I just want everybody who comes up to this book to know yeah. that there's more to this conversation. And I, the other thing that I saved, because it's Black Breastfeeding Week, which is great, no problems with that, but the thing that I saved is this post. She's leading us in anticipation. In anticipation. Right. Where did I find my saved things? Okay, I found them. Sorry. Sweet. <laughs> Don't worry, we're just a couple of millennials. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out Instagram. Did you know, according to the CDC, increased breastfeeding among black women could decrease infant mortality rates by as much as 50%. Okay. And that is all it says. There is no more information added to this statement. I, I, I just can't. I literally cannot. <laughs> Like, I, there's so many issues with that. Because, first of all, if it was true, then, like, everybody would have a meeting with IBCLC. They'd be, the hospitals would be full of them, right, to be making sure that black women were breastfeeding and that everybody was breastfeeding because it's going to save all the babies. Right. But that's not true. Because it's, and there's so, and even if it was, there's so many barriers that's to breastfeeding. That's what I think about. There's so many barriers to it. And it's frustrating that you just drop that because you put that on to the people who aren't breastfeeding for whatever reason because they don't want to. Oh, this is your fault. If you would have just breastfed, maybe your baby would, would be here. Like, like Jesus. it's really like the implications of that are yeah. so huge, right? Yeah. And I have an issue with that. I, I think that's a fair thing. You know, but we see doulas posting this stuff, reposting this stuff, 
and there's no conversation around it. And it really is frustrating, especially knowing the things I know now, you know? And that's why it's interesting that I had that bias and I didn't think twice about it until I started learning more, you know, mm-hmm. about the barriers to breastfeeding. Because we've talked about this before. By like six months, 75% of babies are on some type of formula. They're not exclusively breastfed. So formula is winning in this situation. So all of this other stuff is what's leading to the shame of that. And it's not increasing breastfeeding rates. You can't just increase the rates by saying, oh, I really want everyone to breastfeed, right? It's really good for you. It's really good for your baby. It'll save them from SIDS, which I don't. I don't think that's true, by the way. I don't think that's true, but that's the narrative that we're pushing. It, it is interesting um, because it, just speaking to body feeding and, and, and breastfeeding alone, my first day with, and I'm going to name the organization because I'm the bitch, um, <laughs> I did my initial training with Donna, mm-hmm. and the first day is about breastfeeding. Um, by the way, at that point in time, I had been doing it straight my own breastfeeding journey for four years Mm -hmm. and I had gone through going to like leche leagues meetings and like getting into breastfeeding groups I was a part of an organization here that helped like promote the laws so that we knew about being able to breastfeed the public I I was super into it and still am Um, but I found it interesting how little information was in that class but they give you the cute certificate to be like you know things now. Yeah. And I, I found it so problematic because I was like, this is like a three-hour class. Like, you cannot be sending people out there. And I know for a fact some of these doulas are going to be regurgitating this information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came from a different background. My mom was not able to breastfeed either time. And she carried a lot of shame with it. She still does. Yeah. And then my uh, mother-in-law was not able to breastfeed. But their, their breastfeeding journeys and why they ended were wildly different. My mom was not able to produce and not able to figure out latches and all of that. My mother-in-law came from a very religious background, and it was shameful. Yes. Yeah. So um, when we got this class, it was kind of what you're talking about. It's like, this is a better choice. It has all these benefits. But nobody was talking about, like, all right, you have a super religious um, gal here like a birther, mm-hmm. um, how do you talk to her about the benefits and how to like allow that to be operating in her world? Yeah. Because sure, maybe they do want to breastfeed or like do something to express and give that that nourishment over to baby, but their circumstances don't allow them to do it. Yeah. So how can I support them? On the other side, we're not taught at all about formula. Yes. Which I find to be an Did issue. not know a thing. As I'm building my childhood educate my childbirth education class, literally have had to do so much research about formula. Right. I had zero knowledge and information about it because it's not taught. Right. This is dangerous. It's more beneficial to do to breastfeed, so that's what we should teach. And again, why? Exactly. (laughs) You know? And and I had the same experience. I breastfed. I think it was great. It was really great for me. I had, but I had nothing but negativity. Everybody was like, that's gross, shouldn't do that. Just formula, you know, this is a sexual thing, don't do it. Oh, he has teeth, why are you still breastfeeding? 
I've had clients be like, oh, it's disgusting when people (laughs) breastfeed their toddlers. And I'm like, okay, don't follow me on Instagram because you don't want to see it. But it's just, are your choices being supported? Yeah. Right? And to have the support that you need. Because we're not talking about how quickly people have to go back to work. Yeah. Right? And how pumping kind of sucks. It doesn't kind (laughs) of. It all sucks. It kind of freaking sucks. sucks. (laughs) And, you know, it's it's hard and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of effort and shout out to anybody who exclusively pumps because that's like amazing and i've had a lot of people that i know exclusively pump and they get shame for that too yeah they get shame for doing that their pediatricians will tell them to stop and just do formula even though that's what they want to do or they'll tell them that they're not breastfeeding their child or not nursing their child the same thing yeah for sure you know but they have to do more work and if they're taking on more work that's that's fine Right. That's their choice, you know, but to not have any support, no matter what you do, is wild. Yeah. There's not support for breastfeeding, there's not support for formula feeding, and there's not support for inclusive pumping or any of the choices. So it's fascinating is right now I have a client who's a surrogate, and the conversation we had to have, which she had a hard time with, was how do we get lactation to stop? Yes. Because the family that she's a surrogate for is, is international. Mm-hmm. So there's no way for her to pump and then, like, send it to them within the right amount of time. Gotcha. So that was something where I was like, I've been doing this a year and a half. Like, I'm not noob, but I'm not, like, super seasoned. I was like, well, I'm going to have to go figure out information around that and, like, get resources and things yeah. because this is not something that we typically talk about in mm-hmm. the birth world. Uh, there are going to be people who are like, nope, don't want it. Yeah. I am more versed in teaching people what to do with formula, but not how to stop lactation, which seems so silly that, like, I didn't learn that part. But if someone wasn't planning on exclusively, you know, using formula, it's not something you would come into contact with. Right. But again, not even not having that information, is that a bias? You know? It is. And, And like, one you have to learn about, and they're like, oh. Duh. Duh. Right. Yeah, I should know how to do that. Yeah. Because I even think about, I, I've had clients in the past who are SA victims, and that was a major thing that they did not want to do any sort of body peeping or, or breastfeeding. The same with, like, some trans people. Right. That can be very dysphoric for them. Right. So mm-hmm. there's so many people out there that I don't think that we talk about that that's not going to be their jam. Yeah. Right. And, again, going back to, like, the training does you a disservice because the assumption of the person you're going to interact with, quite frankly, at least in Donna's perspective, is white. They are upper middle class and they have resources. Yep, they're a very particular person who will have the time and the support and the energy to to do all that stuff. Right. And not have any, you know, to be able to do that. Right, for sure. And we're talking about 40, 40 to 50 hours a week that you're doing some sort of feeding towards baby then. Yep. That's a long time and a lot of time. It's a literal full-time job. Right. <laughs> if I didn't do the job that I did, I really doubt that I would have been able to breastfeed as long as I did. Yeah? Yeah. So I was a server. I mm-hmm. was able to, um, sorry, how we have this set up? Close. Close. Sorry. We're setting up a live so that people will know to come see us. This is just crazy. Okay, I'm going to give up. I'm just going to give up. I'll do it. You okay. finish your thought. 
Um, what was I saying? Uh, about your job. Oh, so I was server. I worked at night. I didn't have to go back to work till three months after I had my kid, uh-huh. which is far longer than the six months or the six weeks that people have. Yeah. And I was able to say, hey, I don't want to be here that long. <laughs> I was there to be, be there. I was able to be there for four or five hours, you know, and I was there for a little while and then the pandemic happened right. and I got to have a second maternity leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I was able to like pump once while I was there. I was able to hand pump. It was very easy. It wasn't like a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was stressful to sit in a liquor room and pump. It was stressful to, you know, only have 15 minutes to pump. But other than that, it was so, it wasn't an issue. Yeah. Because I was home all day and I was home all night. Yeah. You know, but if I had any other job, I don't think that I could have pumped right. six, seven, eight times a day or however long, you, however often you have to do that. I am. Um, the only time I've had to pump is actually when I first became a doula. My very first job, um, my very first like client uh, was very long induction and I had to pump while I was there. And this is how little I pumped. I didn't even think about bringing a cooler or like <laughs> anything. Yeah. So basically it turned into a pumping dump, yeah. like, which is like really sad to watch as you're like, <laughs> even though my baby at that point was like nine months old, she really yeah. didn't need it. It was more relief for me. Yeah. But it was that like, that's going away. And I know there's babies upstairs that could like want it or yeah. use it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still the worst about like <laughs> being like, oh right, pumping. Yeah. Oh, that's a thing people have to do. And, like, so there's just like, so much work associated with breastfeeding, yeah. and to say that it's easier or it's cheaper or whatever, that was that's relative. It's right. very relative to what's easier. Yeah. And especially, when, and then if you're talking about partners and you're talking about, do you have a partner? Do you have a supportive partner? Do you have a partner who's there and can wake up in the middle of the night and give the baby a bottle or whatever? Yeah. You know, it's like, there's just so much more stuff that goes into it. It's not just, oh, if they knew the benefits, they would do it. And we're not even talking about something at, at the point of, because some people don't have just one baby. They have, they have twins or triplets or whatever the jam is so it's a rough one right everyone everyone (laughs) but um like that's another part that needs to be discussed of that whole training so ultimately i think it's interesting that um you were able to pull that one out so quickly like there's that biases that was being planted yeah being planted because that's really what happened when you use words like dangerous or or any sort of failure language or uh, super expressive to mean like bells and whistles and like uh, caution, then you're planting a bias. It's on purpose. And that's the the point of the doula training. Yeah. Should be that you're learning these things that you may not have experienced yourself. Yeah. And you can, you're learning these things that, that should cover a large range of people. Not this one person who we think has a doula and needs a doula and can afford a doula. Yeah. Right? That's who we think is going to have a doula, and that's who we cater to. Oh, of course. You know? But all those other factors even apply to those people. Even apply to the middle class, you know, white person that's giving birth. All of those other things can still apply. Yeah. You know? All right, I'm dying to know what your 
biases. I haven't heard it yet. Um, so I went in with a bias and it got negated while I was at my doula training. And I know I'm changing up the formula. I will, I will also explain the one that was given to me while I was there. Perfect. But the one, the one I went in with is that all inductions are rough. Hmm. Um, I got corrected while I was there. Yeah. Um, I, to give extra context, I went through an induction. It was four days. It was literal. I I would not wish it upon anyone. Um, I I had every possible intervention thrown at my body and my body said, (laughs) this baby's not coming out. So um, I, I went in believing that there was no way you could have a nice induction or there was any way to make induction to truly work with bodies, especially because you get exposure when you're a part of the VBAC community. They're very quick to talk about cascade of interventions. They're very quick to talk about inductions and dropping your rates of possible cesareans and putting yourself in a situation that could need a cesarean. Mm -hmm. So I went in with all of that baggage. Um, which I don't think I was alone um, in my group with baggage from their own births and the things they were coming in with. And during that time, our instructor talked to us about inductions and all these different methods and it being on average that people do respond well to it. Yeah. And that was a mindfuck for me. I have to get over it. What do you mean? (laughs) That some people do well with it. Like, oh, the, the like residual anger that came up during it. Yeah. Because of your experience was different. It was different yeah. and it had been confirmed so many times already in the spaces that I was floating in mm-hmm. that I wasn't different, that I was the norm. And then to encounter that that thing of like an instructor being like, no, actually I've been, t- she's attended thousands of births. And yeah. she's like, yours was a weird case. Like yeah. it's actually weirder to have what you had happen than the but opposite. Yeah. All right. And I was like, no, no, you can't do that. You can't, like, you can't do that. So um, it was through that education that I did learn the ways to make an induction work with your body or work with the birther's body Uh and, like, how to set them up. Um, Oh, that's funny. She's saying it was her first three births that were inductions. Um, (laughs) So... That's what I learned during that time was how to make it work with me or work with the birther instead of against them mm-hmm. and those tools. And I was like, oh, this would have been nice to know for mine. Yeah. Um, but it did make me a better doula after the fact because I was able to be like, ah, your garbage isn't everyone's garbage. And I think that's a big, big <laughs> thing you have to put down as a doula. Yeah, whatever your baggage is, is not everybody else's. And what your story is, is not going to be everybody else's. And that is, I think, a really hard pill to swallow. You know? And, oh, and by the way, someone on the live says that her their first three doula births were long, long inductions. Yeah. So it does happen. Yeah. The sure. first induction I went to was, like, so fast it was like 13 hours like from the time they were induced to the time baby was there and totally blew my mind yeah three-day inductions back to back oh (laughs) yeah that's tough yeah yeah um so I I think that it's really important to talk about and the reason I brought it up is so often I've seen two groups of people who tend to go to doula trainings 
there's those working through their garbage and they're going there to learn more so they can like work through their shit mm -hmm. and then there's those who had wonderful beautiful births and like just shot babies out with no problem what's that like <laughs> I would love to know. Right? Uh, shop babies out and now they're coming in because they've they've seen the magic of birth, the, the, magic of birth. the, yeah. the beauty of birth. Yeah. Um, so the bias I ended up leaving my doula training with was that I could rescue anyone. I I mean we're gonna get real 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 real. But essentially that if I, I was learned that I have another bias. I had another bias. <laughs> For me saying this, you're like, whoops, never mind. But I did go through that training because they're they're talking to you. Essentially everything that you would learn in like a multi-week uh, childbirth education course. But not only that, that you're going to be by the side. You're, they give you those stats of like people have better birth outlooks, not outcomes. And that's a really easy thing to miss. Outlooks. Um, with a doula or continuous support that's the other word that we tend to miss as doulas when we share those yeah. those like stats of like yeah it could be grandma who provides that continuous yeah. support it's not because it was a doula yeah um and you being there does make their outlook be better not their outcome yeah. and i ended up and the leaving. outlook is valid it yeah. is yeah for sure yeah it's just during my time there, I thought I had all these tools to be able to rescue somebody from, like, a, a shitty experience. Mm -hmm. And it only took two births to figure out, like, no. No, that's not what happened. No. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not what I was trained in. That was part of my personal um, bias coming into that because I, with my experience... I felt like after I'd learned all of this stuff, I'm like, if I had just made one different decision when I was in labor, or if someone had just said, hey, you know, if someone had told me, I think, I thought, if someone had told me this, I would have made a different decision, I wouldn't have had the traumatizing part of my labor that I did have, mm -hmm. and everything would be great, right? But I can't say that's true. Right. You know? And if my doula had just got there earlier, no, I, I made that choice. Yeah. Right? I made the choice for an epidural for myself, and I was confident in that choice in that moment. Right. I was 100% like, this is the right thing. I didn't know what was going to happen after, but it's just you think that, like, oh, someone could have saved me, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm going to save someone else. And I think that's the, the biggest part of that puzzle piece of, like, thinking I could save someone comes from this idea that someone would actually fucking listen to me. I'm sorry. And they don't listen. <laughs> they don't listen to us. They don't. <laughs> and they don't have to, but it is very, yeah. You think like, oh, I'm a professional and I'm getting paid to do this. People are going to listen to my opinion and people are going to listen to what I have to say. And I, I mean, they definitely hear it. Yeah. Um, and, yes, uh, over on Instagram, if you guys want to go there, you could. But uh, I we tried to stream it live as well. But, yeah, uh, yes, owning your choices in the moment with the information you have, I think is so so important. And I think that's 90% of our jobs as doulas is to be like, here's all that possible information that pertains to you. Yeah. And 
that you could help make a better decision or a different decision or the one that makes you most comfortable. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the biggest thing was that even with presenting them that information, they could still make the choice only sitting in my biases in my thought that is the wrong choice yeah. or the more difficult choice. Yeah. Um, because I've had people who have gone into the induction unnecessarily. I've had people go into a situation where I was like, that wasn't a safe, safe move or whatever it may be, but they are so confident, and my job is not to make sure that they make the best decision. My job yeah. is to provide information and then support from that. Yeah. Um, which I think... Because the, in, the information and the opinions that we share, they're suggestions. Yep. And learning that the opinions people give you and the opinions you give other people are suggestions kind of lets... It let some of that go, at least for me. When I started thinking of it that way, like, I'm not telling them what to do. And who am I to tell them what to do, like you said? And the whole point is we're supposed to empower people, and that's the word that everybody wants to use. We're going to empower people who are giving birth. Okay, empower them to make the choice and say, this is the right choice. And that's the thing is that even for my birth, I said, this is the right choice. Mm -hmm. I actually said, Fuck you. Please give me an epidural. <laughs> and the nurse was like, all right, uh, let's get you some fluids. <laughs> Just speaking from my own experience. And she walks out of the room like this. Like, oh. And I heard her tell the anesthesia, like, she's, in, she's, she's struggling. <laughs> like, in the nicest way possible. Please hurry, because I'm like, Shit, shit, shit. Like, yeah. so upset. Aww. So, so upset. You know? So, it was the right decision for me. It's not like this thing, this person was going to come save it. Right? I had a very particularly hard time with this lesson. And it's still something, I'm going to be real, I still have moments of this struggle with, and it's because of the people I specialize in. Yes. Um, being someone who's had two VBACs, being someone who... Um, if you do tell them what to do um, and it doesn't work out, they are going to blame you for it, and that is true. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably will. Yeah. They probably will blame you. They might not blame the provider. That That's the fascinating one. Yeah. <laughs> That's another conversation, but they might not blame the provider that gave them yeah. the advice. But, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, but because I come from... A story that's so similar to so many of my my clients um, it can be really difficult at points and there are times when I've been at prenatals and I've been like hey I just need to step away for a moment because yep. I can feel myself going from a suggestion place to a like let me I'm never leaving your side I'm going to make sure everything turns out all right I'm going to be your shield, your armor, and your wisdom, and your knowledge, and, like, I got you. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, that was unhealthy. That was yeah. that just went to an unhealthy place, I mean. So, yeah. um, I, and I don't think it's purposeful on, on doula trainings. I don't think mm -hmm. they're going in being like, let's make sure that they walk away with this narrative. Yeah. But I think it's so easy to walk away with that narrative. If you're not actively trying to not give off that narrative. Yeah. When I was even looking into what a doula was or if I wanted to become it, it was very much like, 
doulas are the bodyguards doulas are the the ones who are going to stop obstetric violence like that was really the narrative that i saw that wasn't in my doula training but that was the narrative that i saw in so many places yeah that 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 we're going to save everybody you know and it's not true yeah because there's plenty of times where i have seen obstetric violence i have seen the bullying or the or the side that no one likes to talk about that's happening in certain providers practices and that kind of thing and that's why i've become the doula i am now where i'm like hey if you're with one of those no thanks yeah you can change and i those boundaries are great to have right for sure but it can be really upsetting being the person coming to you being like are you going to rescue me and i have to look at them and be like not me babes not me i'm sorry well that's the whole thing even like I'm not gonna speak for you, right? I can't. That's yeah. that's is is that my place? Right. To speak for somebody else, you know, and it, it's hard. It's hard to say, hey, would you like to talk to the nurse about this when they come back? And they're like, no. <laughs> Are you sure? It seems like you're concerned about it. No, that's okay. I, what what can I do? I yeah. can't do anything about that in that situation. You know, I've done what I can do. Yeah. So you do have to kind of let that go. Yeah. Like, I, like, that was my tool, was to talk to you about it and ask if you wanted to have that conversation. If you don't want to have the conversation, like, I don't, it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. That is probably the hardest part. I will, like, step out when that happens, if I feel like I'm becoming overwhelmed, to, you know, text my doula bestie. Sometimes I text my husband. I was just like, here's this frustrating thing this this provider did. And I can't do anything about it. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the little canteen in the hospital texting my doula bestie being like, girl, this is not going well. Like, (laughs) in the panic mode, like, oh, this is not gonna go well. I'm gonna have to do a fuck ton of cleanup as soon as this is over. And it's hard to watch what I could describe as like watching someone go down that conveyor belt or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. But again, they're they're actively choosing to stay on it. Yeah. And and, and, and there's like, also some things that, you know, that I will be frustrated by, but I'm like, medically there's nothing you can do. Right. You know? Like I know that it would probably move you along to get you in a different position. But if they can't find the baby's heartbeat, I can't do anything about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happened at one of my other, my, one of my recent births. And it was very frustrating. And it was, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes there's nothing you can do. Yeah. You know? I tried literally every position you could possibly be in. <laughs> you got the Kama Sutra out. You're like, like literally every, <laughs> yes, literally every position. I even was Googling stuff after I had ran out of ideas. But every time I was like, if you can't find the baby, please lay back down. You know? The one that probably hurt me the most, it was a birth that I was at. I mean, she was incredible to watch. She did perfectly, like textbook. And at the last moment, kid took a wrong turn at Albuquerque and lodged themselves. And this was someone attempting a feedback. I mean, we went through all the heartbreak talk. The hardest one was, and it's still like, when we talk about word haunting, like, this is one of those that haunts me. Her husband turned to me and said, I don't believe in God anymore. Ooh. 
And like, it is those moments where I, yeah, yeah, because they had wanted something so bad and yeah. they had made all the right decisions and they had done everything possible and I had gone through fear release and I had gone through, like we had gone through all the things and they yeah. still didn't get the outcome. I couldn't rescue them from this outcome. And so I remember the next day I went home, uh, next day, it's 3 a.m. when yeah. I went home <laughs> <laughs> after being there for 24 hours. And the it took me a good week to like mm-hmm. heal my soul because everything in my body wanted I would have I would have traded places in that moment I would have done anything yeah. to make this happen yeah. and the providers were awesome they they really like were very receptive to them they were very mm-hmm. open-hearted everyone on the team really walked them through this but yeah. it was still hard to watch because it looked like it was gonna happen yeah and um, I think about I compare birth a lot to like have you ever done weapons training at all okay so i mean when, i tried to shoot a gun once and i like had a panic attack. <laughs> okay never mind <laughs> um so when you're trained with weapons in a form of safety you treat it as if it's always loaded yes. and if that is going to hurt in particular kill so that's you, what gave me the panic attack right so you keep it pointed down good you had healthy respect for it yes. um, <laughs> okay. But you keep it pointed down at all times. You keep rechecking those chambers to make mm-hmm. sure it's fully unloaded, all of that. And that's how I treat birth now and my ability to not fall into that like rescue mode. Yeah. I am in constant checking mode to make sure that I am never like heading to that place. That's actually great. Because yeah. if I don't keep rechecking those chambers, it's so fast. And that's something that people don't want to talk about. You could do literally everything right. You could have all the right positions and all the right affirmations and all the right steps and the great provider and whatever, and you still can't guarantee an outcome. Yeah. There's literally nothing you can do, and it's heartbreaking, and it's haunting to see people not get the births they want. And it sucks sometimes. And it was so hard to reframe it in that moment because I was like, Mm -hmm. hey, guys, I know we didn't get the outcome we wanted, but I want us to name three things that we did get. And that was so hard in my body to say in that moment. You're like, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to reframe this right now. I just want it to be like the way I want it. Um, And the three things were she really wanted to labor at home as long as possible. Mm -hmm. She wanted no pit. She never got any pit. And she was able to experience pushing. Yeah. Um, Because she got to the point where she felt pushy. Yeah. Um, so she got three incredible experiences out of it. However, it wasn't the one that she truly wanted. So um, the thing I'm that reframing and that need to rescue, like, still was still a little bit there. Like, yeah. all right, I can't, I can't make this different for you, but I'm gonna make sure when we leave here, you're not like completely devastated. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the one I left my doula training with. And the one that I still battle today. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's a heavier <laughs> heavy topic. It is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's it really feels like there's such a weight placed on doulas, on doula training. Like I said, you're supposed to end obstetric violence, one birth at a time. Yeah. You know, and it's there's just so many cases where there's nothing you can do or you did everything you could 
and it's not enough to avoid the c-section or avoid the whatever right. someone was trying to avoid you know and then it doesn't I don't know, it's it's hard you know Do, have you which would lead me to the question have you felt at any point like you're like I can't do this oh several oh, times yeah yeah several times um I'm I, several times I have had moments where I'm like I don't know if this is the right gig for me yeah and you know when you look around and I'm a year and a half in I'm I'm still in the <laughs> actually in the grand scheme of dueling I'm an old I'm an old person yeah uh, everybody leaves so quickly yes. they leave within three years but I think yeah. it's because they run into this exact mental game that they mm -hmm. have to play yeah um, and they get tired of playing it yeah. um, but that's that's a reason it burns you out and yeah I've had several of those moments where I'm like I don't know if this is a great idea yeah. I don't know if I'm the right person for this yeah. The thing that keeps me here is that it was a it was a small thing said to me after my first birth because it went really bad. That one went yeah. really bad. That was an emergency hysterectomy. I mean, like all all the worst things. Yeah, all the worst things. Um, the the doula I spoke to to be able to unpack, who's now my my doula partner, said she had a better birth because you were there. Yeah. And that was so impactful in that moment and mm -hmm. such a thing. And it's something I still carry with me today. I'll say to other doulas, it's like, they had a better birth just because you were there. Yeah. Um, because, they, like you said, the, the outcome can be changed, but the outlook can. Yeah. And the outlook is, in some ways, more important. It is more important. How you feel about it when you leave or a year later or all of that stuff is really important. It is. You know? I completely believe it is. So yeah, that's um, that's me being very frank. Do mm -hmm. you ever think about that? I I did my my third and fourth births, which I've told you this story, um, were free of charge, and they both started I can't on that. they both started on the same day. I can't believe this and, story. And you know, like thirty something hours later, I'm driving home and I'm just like crying. Sad. Yeah. And I'm like talking to my husband. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't be the per. I didn't. I was like, I can't be the person in the room who, like, it's like you feel like you know too much, right? I feel that a lot. Like I know too much, right? We know about the cascade of interventions, and we know that you know typically things don't go this way or you know we know all of this information we've taken all this these statistics and things like that and you still can't do anything about it you're still not a medical professional you're still not the person deciding or suggesting when they switch from cytotech to pitocin or like you're not you're just you don't get to make those decisions right and it sucks <laughs> The other side of that too is and, we know so much that we'll end up shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. Because there's so many times, and I've witnessed it, where there's doulas telling their people information that they, they really don't need to know, and you're freaking them out. Yeah. Or the opposite side, um, a really famous like uh, TikToker put out her video of her doula telling her, even though you're in early labor with a premature baby more than likely dump into the hospital we can give you castor oil and all that in medical advice and like way still stepping outside of the scope um, 
yeah, it, it can happen on the other side of like, we yeah. almost know too much and you need to it's, shut the fuck up. Yeah, you know? and, and even doing that is really hard for me because yeah. I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, but I feel like that's been the ultimate balance with, with clients in, yeah. in this work is deciding what to share and what not to share. And if it if, is this information they want? And I usually ask that, you know, would you like some information about this? You know, they're talking about this type of induction. Would you like me to send you this? If the answer is no, then that's fine. Right. But so I had, so I had the two, the two births. They were physically intense. They were mentally intense. They were happening simultaneously. I had to call in a backup, even though I wasn't getting paid. Thank goodness I had someone who was nice and also know, was okay with me and was okay being there. Um, but the second one was transferred from the birth center. Was in the hospital. Ended up with a C-section. The time that she was laboring, she saw two babies born at the birth center. One of them was my other clients. And she was defeated. She's at the hospital. She's with the epidural. She's so upset. The doctor's talking about a C-section. She's heartbroken. And again, like, this work is haunting. The things you see, the things you hear, the emotions you feel are so heavy, Mm -hmm. you know? And I... At that, at some point, I was like, I swapped out for a backup, and I left because I was bringing in this terrible energy because I'd been like 35 hours at that right. point, and you know, it was I left just like I can't do this. I couldn't be there for both births. I couldn't I couldn't help this person not you know end up with an epidural and a C-section and blah blah blah. And I didn't know what to do with all of that, <laughs> you know. And I just really questioned it. Like, is this what I want to do? Is this something I could be good at? Is I really felt that I really felt that being so empathetic was a superpower, mm-hmm. but it's almost a detriment sometimes mm-hmm. because you have to turn it off. Yeah. Because you can't take on those feelings. But so long story short, I went home. You, I slept. You, you slept. I ate a meal. <laughs> and I said, okay, I guess I can do that. It did help that that client was able to have a vaginal birth. Oh. And that was what she, she was so heartbroken. And having the conversation with her about a C-section literally still gives me chills. Yeah. Because it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it sucked to feel that emotion that she had and the disappointment that she had, you know. And it sucked to see a provider who was pushing it and wasn't being the nicest about it. Like, all of those things just, like, sucked. (laughs) But, you know, it was just, okay, I need to put some of that empathy down. Yeah. I need to, I can't take on the anxiety of when's this person going to go to labor? I can't take on the outcome. I can't take on the emotion about the choices they make or about the choices they have to make. And I have to get paid for this. Yeah. That was the big realization. I needed to do those free for my certification. That's fine. But I literally was like, this is why people get paid for it. Because I know that I felt, and I've heard a lot of people saying, I love this. I love this work, right? Because you do a couple births and you have that adrenaline, uh, you know, that endorphin rush of birth. 
and you're like, I don't need to get paid for this. You need to get paid for it. <laughs> you 1,000% need to get paid yeah. for this work because it's valuable and it's important and it's skilled work. Yeah, it is. You know, and that was my big aha moment. Mm-hmm. Like, this is skilled work. Right. This is a skill to be able to turn that off, to be able to inform without validating, to be able to support without putting my own yes. emotions on other people. That's a skill, and that's a skill a lot of people don't have and probably never will have. Exactly. Because nobody likes to inform without invalidating your choices. <laughs> that kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the, you know, infant feeding. There's literally no right answer. Right. Um, but, you know, it was uh, it was kind of like a wake-up call for me. Like, I can do this work. I want to do this work. But I have to put some stuff down, yeah. you know? And it's that, like, savior complex a little bit. I think it's easy to fall into. Yeah. Um, and I think if we were to be honest as doulas and like this were a conversation, every person has not just one story, but several stories of them falling into that complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw it and I think in a way I was lucky that my first birth went so poorly. Mm-hmm. Because it was the literal kick in the nuts of like, you can't, you can't make it better. You can't make it different. You are here not for that. Yeah. You are here for support and nothing else. And it was the like, oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Like, and that goes back to what we talked about last week. Yes. I learned what support is. Right. Support is not saving someone, right? right? It's what do you need to be supported? And answering that and helping with that, you know? Yeah. yeah so sure. we got some comments. And they don't value you if, uh, if they don't pay you. They need to pay in some kind of way. Yes. I agree. Yeah. And I, I mean, agree. we could do like 17 episodes alone <laughs> on paying for duels. <laughs> and because like, uh, it's the, it, it's, it's one of my many like places that I have, no patient for uh, with certain organizations requiring free uh, services and not setting up duos for business or any of that because of what we're talking about that it's a skill yeah. and you're you're having people with giant hearts do this work yeah um, and we're burning through them and that's the thing eventually you're gonna run out of people to take advantage of right and you're gonna run out of people I've heard people who are professionals, you know, freelancers or artists or whatever, you have to charge enough to sustain your family. Otherwise, you don't get to do the work. You don't get to do the valuable things. You don't get to offer the support. You don't get to offer the art or whatever it is. You need to charge enough to sustain your family. Yeah. You know, and that goes with anything. Yeah. Because otherwise, how are you going to keep doing it? I need to eat. Yes. And your children need to eat. And, you know, you need housing. And, like, you need all of those things. For sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. So I um, I think it's probably a biasy. Again, I don't think Donut purposely, unlike where you were speaking about the one that's, like, dangerous of formula, I don't think this one's ever purposely <laughs> put into yeah. trainings. And I know... There's several trainings out there that kind of leave this, I'll, I'll, I'll put it as a sensation in your body. It's not even a thought. It's like a sensation yeah. that you come out yeah. feeling. Um, but I also 
don't love that they don't make it clear that that is not the point of this. And clear what your job is right. and what your position is. Yeah. Right. Um, because that that's an easy thing that we could like at least. You could clarify. Weave you could be sure around. Say. Right. Yeah. Weave around. Yeah. Um, especially there's organizations out there all about uh, advocacy and like major major heavy topics. Yeah. Um, and even in theirs, at times I have those feelings because I've taken a couple of them where I'm yeah. like, oh shit, like yeah. there's that sensation again that I, little old Emmy, can like change the whole fucking world. Well, and that's how I felt about that post about right. oh, up to fifty percent of black infant deaths could be prevented if more people were breastfeeding. <laughs> like that's it? Yeah. You you really think that that's gonna solve Obviously. this issue? Yeah. And it's not maybe just partially racism that's causing these problems, you know? Right. And breastfeeding's going to solve it? <laughs> yeah. Don't you know? Like, it just, it's just, it's these things that are easily boiled down into a social media post <laughs> that there's so much more of a conversation to be had. Yeah. You for know? Sure. For sure. Well, I think that's the perfect place to end this because yeah. we just hit an hour. Uh, hey guys, this week we remembered to record. So yes. if you guys didn't catch us right now, not a problem. It's going to be up on our YouTube channel probably in the next couple of days. Yep. Um, next week we're talking about a really cool topic. Uh, Miss Alex, what was the cool topic? I'm going to look it up. Sweet. I'm going to look it up. I know. <laughs> um, but like, leave comments, like head over to our YouTube channel and leave comments there. Like, I would love to be able to do a whole segment where we're able to read people's um, responses to us in the in the next week's episode. Um, if you're a birth worker who would like to come on to our podcast and maybe hang out with us, let us know because we have like plans for the next five to six weeks. However, yeah. like we would love to have others on yes. because we're just two people. <laughs> There's so many more like voices, voices and, and perspectives. Yeah, correct. But we have a Gmail, right? We do. It's at. Uh, Bring a fire podcast at gmail.com. Yes. So, so you guys email are, us yeah. anything, any thoughts, ideas you want to be on the podcast, any of that stuff. Right. Next week, we are talking about how to meet clients where they're at and support them while maintaining your own boundaries. So perfect. Uh, that won't be loaded at all. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be loaded at all. Maybe we will get into pay. Oh, no. We will get into pay, yeah. Because that's. But thank you guys for joining us. Um, next week we probably won't stream anymore with the Instagram, like so you guys actually mm. have to join us. But yeah. like, yeah. Tell your friends about us. Uh, head over to Twitch and subscribe to us. A really cool thing, once we get fifty subscribers on there, we're able to like sustain our life on this, speaking about doers who need to get paid. So like <laughs> come over to Twitch and subscribe to us. And if you weren't here last week, we talked about how I need money so I can go back to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, leave a tip so we can get Alex back to Brenda. So uh, thank you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Beautiful.